welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking about tackling challenges to embrace change and what it takes to pivot to win. I'm excited today to welcome to the podcast, Jordan Babineau, former NFL player turned entrepreneur and business coach, as well as voice of the Seattle Seahawks and author of new book, Pivot to Win. Welcome to the podcast, Jordan. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Now, um, it just so happens we are recording this this episode uh, the morning after the Super Bowl. So that seems fitting. Um, And uh, I assume you were watching the game last night. Yes, yes. And by myself, trust me, we did not have a a big Super Bowl party as uh, one would typically have. So we did it safely. All right, good. All right. Um, I was watching with my four and five-year-old sons who uh, made sure that I didn't get to pay very close attention to the game because they, you know, were asking me every couple minutes, mommy, what's that team? Mommy, what are they doing? What does that referee mean? Uh, so <laughs> it was well, part fun. watching that's the fun. Super Bowl and part educating on the sport of football as best I could. So good. And the entertainment of enjoying the commercials, you know, I think that's also yeah. a part of looking forward to the Super Bowl. It's like, who has the, the most uh, the funniest qu- uh, uh, commercial and advertising. Yeah. Uh, those, those tend to uh, land well. Yeah, I like the the Jeep commercial. And then we were keeping an eye out for the Nick Jonas um, Dexcom commercial because my older son has type 1 diabetes and he uses Dexcom. So we thought it was really cool that that technology was, uh, you know, being socialized on that type of, of platform. So, oh. Cool. All right. So, so let's dig in. Jordan, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Yeah, Sarah. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Texas. Uh, I was a, the youngest of five and, um, you know, uh, anything from your normal uh, childhood upbringing. I mean, certainly growing up in the South, you, you have uh, hospitality, you, you have uh, this Southern way of doing things in Texas. Certainly it's a uh, good barbecue. Um, but but my my, upgr- my upbringing was um, was was challenging and um, you know surrounded by economic ruins growing up uh, in impoverished uh, uh, kind of environment and um, you know certainly in the South having to deal with racism and discrimination was a, a huge part of um, you know the challenges that we we face both as individually personally and uh, as a family um, and as a community. Um, my father passed. I was eight years old. Uh, the sudden death of my dad suddenly left mom to figure things out for for her kids. I'm the youngest of five, as I mentioned, and you know somehow with the uh, with a little bit of faith and uh, a secretary salary, um, mom was able to afford uh, each of us. Uh, you know the the goodwill of instilling great values of um, faith and um, you know. Uh, growing up through a church, education was uh, highly demanded, and um, and also the essence of giving back. I mean, even though we didn't have much, um, you know, I remember uh, my mom uh, feeding kids through the neighborhood, feeding kids in the neighborhood, um, you know, just um, eating bread. Um, and um, but you know, um, as resilient as she was, um, you know, we were all able to graduate high school, graduate college. I played nine years professionally in the NFL, and my brother played 12 years uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. So, so um, you look back on it, 
you know, the older you get, and you're like, wow, those childhood experiences. Certainly, there's a there's a great connection, you know, and 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 better understanding. Uh, the older you get, the, the the more experiences you have. I'm a father now, and so uh, I understand what it's like to, um, you know, to to really kind of sacrifice for your kids, uh, create a better uh, a better uh, you know ro road and path for them, uh, and um, you know those those moments when uh, you know I've, I've I've just sit there and dwell on some of those connections and stories and experiences mm -hmm. and trials that I went through as a child. Um, you know it, it's it's um, it's it's heart moving, it's warming, um, and and really brings tears to my eyes to to understand and know uh, the sacrifice that she really that my mama really uh, really experienced and went through. So yeah. Yeah, that I think it's really interesting. The older you get, the more it makes you reflect back on, you know, exactly how you were shaped in into the person you are, and how all of those experiences sort of evolve and and build on one another. You know, you continue growing as a person, but all of that, you know, is is a part of you. Um, so yeah, that that's really interesting. And I definitely agree that once you have children yourself, it gives you a whole new perspective on, you know, what your your parents went through and and what they um, what they had to do to to set you off into into the world. So um, good. Okay, so we're going to be talking today quite a bit about your new book, Pivot to Win. Um, so so before I get into some of the specific questions I have for you on some of the major themes and points of the book, um, just tell us uh, a bit about, you know, what made you want to write Pivot to Win and, and what purpose do you hope it serves for, for your readers? Yeah, so Sarah, I decided to, uh, I think there's always been a little part of me that wanted to uh, do some form of storytelling. Uh, I, I went to Southern Arkansas University and, and my, my major was um, communications. Uh, I majored in broadcast journalism uh, and used print as a minor. But, you know, in thinking about it, I, I was in college the early, early 2000s, uh, you know, that print platform was starting to, you know, become less attractive. You know, it was the evolution of the digital age and the internet and things were uh, moving rather rapidly in, in that direction. And so in a sense, you know, people started to think that, you know, print publications, you know, would suddenly die and, uh, but uh, not the case. And uh, here, here we are today still talking about print publications and magazines and uh, Andre, believe it or not, I'm still one of those persons who, who order books and I, I like to read and highlight and make notes and, Me too. and, <laughs> and scribble in the books. Uh, and I even order, even newspapers. Uh, I, I get the Wall Street Journal um, now. And um, even though I have the app on my phone, it's just something about being able to, you know, to touch and feel and, uh, and you know, the crinkling of paper and whatever that does mm -hmm. uh, for me in, in a way, but it's, uh, but print's still here. Um, so the book Pivot to Win uh, evolves from the sense of I, in 2018, uh, I went to attend a Darren Hardy uh, masterclass in San Diego. Darren Hardy is success mentor. Um, I mean, well known for uh, what, he, what he's done through the publications at Success Magazine uh, for over a decade and interviewing, you know, 
you name it, talking about world changers from the mm -hmm. Oprah's to the Elon's to the Jack's to the, I mean, all across the board. And, uh, and then since he's branched out and created his own platform and, uh, you know, we share, uh, you know, conversations around mentorship and, uh, you know, getting, uh, getting myself to operate at high levels and um, through performance and that sort of thing. So I attended his masterclass and, you know, in the middle of, it must've been day one, day two, um, we're heading to lunch. And before our break, he, he, he says to, it's a hundred business owners across the, across the globe, uh, very intimate setting. Um, and he says, he says, if anyone has been thinking about writing a book, come back a few minutes early before lunch. Uh, we'll have a, you know, conversation. I'll introduce you to my book team. And I, and, and there it is, you know, um, mm -hmm. Sarah, I, I, I'm one of those persons that if you, um, you know, give me an opportunity or if you invite me to do something or if there's a way in which that I can achieve something, um, you have my interest, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, we can't explain why some people do and some people don't, right? You give, you give 10 people a book, all 10 people won't read the book, right. you know, but the one person who, you know, one person who gets the book, you know, obviously thinks something of it and reads the book and they get some, they get, take something from it, adds it to their own life. And then a year later, you see this person blossom. And then mm -hmm. suddenly everyone has this, wow, this overnight success birth of this person that no one's ever heard of when over time, the work has certainly been put in and the uh, the days of, of progress has been stacked to reach this culmination of, mm -hmm. you know, what some people will call an overnight success. Mm -hmm. Was well, not the case. I mean, you know, we went through this process. I come back and I was like, well, that almost feels like a dare in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> you know, I was like, wait, wait, are, are you really saying that I can do this and you're going to give me access to your resources? Absolutely. I'll take you up on that. And, and, um, you know, here we are. I mean, now it's, um, you know, 2021. I finished the book. Once we got started, I, I made the introduction uh, to my book team. Once we got started, it became like a 16 or 17 month process of back and forth communication uh, with the book team. I was writing. Um, and Sarah, on top of that, I just rolled into my MBA program at Seattle University. And lo and behold, I thought like, why the hell would I decide to write a book in the middle of an MBA program? Like <laughs> I had no idea what that process would, would look like or how it would turn out to be. But for the, but the timing of it for me, Sarah, it was, it was right on. Um, I talk about my childhood and the things that I went through and, you know, the early loss of my father and, you know, having to battle the challenges of growing up in a single parent household, five kids, and some of those, you know, things that we had to overcome well, it certainly built a lot of resilience and perseverance mm -hmm. over the time to go through these things and know that there's still light at the end of the tunnel. And while I was enrolled in my MBA program, we were in this leadership component of the first, you know, three to six months. And Seattle University is a Jesuit school to have, you know, old Catholicism practices around uh, formation of the, the individual and the self and the human body and the person. And it was ripe for me. Um, when I tell you that the discoveries in which I learned and going through these courses uh, brought me and moved me to tears, I finally understood myself a lot better. I understood mm -hmm. my triggers. I understood how I felt around certain things, whether it was conflict resolution, finances, relationships, all of these things that that we don't know that shapes us, you know, through our environment, the people we hang around with, or even just embedded in us from our parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, some of those things that, that are just in us 
you know, comes from our parents and their philosophies and thoughts around that. Well, I didn't understand that until I really had a chance to do some, uh, some, some inner uh, reflection and, and turn my lens to focus more on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very moving. And um, in the book, Pivot to Win, I share a lot of those stories. Um, I get real personal. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and when I say uh, in, in a way that's vulnerable, Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm okay with it now, Sarah, you know, I, I, I went through, <laughs> I went through this, this, this process of, of, you know, you know, using sports to, to kind of fuel some of the aggression and anger, but also the joys. I mean, it wasn't just about, I was just this angry person or anything like that, but, but it was a way to kind of free myself from all of the things in which I was dealing with. I mean, that was mm-hmm. why we got involved in sports in the very beginning anyway, because mom saw, you know, what we were going through. We were also battling the challenges of, uh, peer pressure and dealing with street and violence and drug mm-hmm. abuse and all of those things that uh, was just natural in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that process, sir, when I say, uh, um, you know, I had a chance to just really let go mm-hmm. um, all of those emotions in which as a child that I masked and just swept under the rug while kind of developing myself in, into this alpha male macho mentality um, of a sports figure, um, I was able to look at it and, and reflect on them and have a deeper understanding of myself. It was, um, it was, it was really moving, but, uh, and it led to Pivot to Win. And so I'm happy to share, happy to share the book, happy to share the stories. And uh, my, my hope is that people will take away the, both the lessons and the successes away from the book and add it to their own life and use it uh, to their own purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Whew, that was a lot, but um, you know, there's a, a lot there that, that I totally can, can resonate with. You know, I think it's, it's really easy to spend um, a lifetime really, you know, distracting yourself from what's at the root of you as a human being, you know, particularly if you've had any challenges in your, in your childhood, in your early years, you know, stuff that maybe you didn't know what to do with, how to process, or, you know, you didn't have the the resources to, or you didn't have, you know, the, the emotional energy or the tools to do that. And, and when you make the choice to dig in, you know, it's, um, it, it's very, uh, very interesting. So, so let's talk about some of the things that come up in the book. Um, so you talk about the importance of change and your belief that we must embrace change as a catalyst for growth. Um, one of the things you say is that change can feel like you've lost part of your identity. Um, but it's important, right? So, so talk about, um, talk about that belief. Yeah. Um, you know, great question. I mean, think, you know, here we are right in the, still in the middle of a global pandemic where change, um, and uncertainty, uh, the anxiety of having to, uh, to deal with what we're all going through, both personally and professionally, um, it's more challenging than, you know, any time in human history. Um, certainly I'm, uh, you know, I'm still, so I'll just say I'm, I'm under 40. <laughs> uh, I'm not revealing my age just yet. Well, but as I push closer to 40, you know, it's, um, I, I know that, you know, we have seniors and, and, and elders who have, you know, been through similar situations when, uh, when faced with tough adversities, you know, um, you know, across our country, across our condition, our, our, our economy. Um, but change is consistent. I mean, I, I mean, it's the, it's the one thing that we can guarantee. Uh, we used to say this in the, you know, in the NFL in the locker room is that, um, 
you know, uh, changes, I mean, changes is, is one thing that, um, that you can, that you're promised, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, and, but we also looked at it too, as a revolving door. I mean, we used to look at opportunities like, okay, well, if, you know, this franchise doesn't think that I'm no longer welcome or my services are no longer here, then there's, you know, 31 other teams um, that I could choose from. So, so, you know, change is consistent, um, you know, but when we pivot, you know, and create these moments of change, there's, there's kind of two ways we can look at uh, when going through change. And one is, you know, we can refuse to believe that it's actually happening, right? And, and it's easy to kind of, you know, kind of mask or, um, you know, kind of be in this state of disbelief where, um, you know, that it's unreal. Like it's, mm -hmm. like this, this isn't happening. Then, you know, a year later, five years later, we're kind of stuck in this, on a treadmill. And sometimes this treadmill can be a mental treadmill. It's like, I haven't even overcome uh, acceptance of my new realities. And mm -hmm. I think in moving through transition and moving through pivots, um, we have to first have, you know, we have to first get this understanding and acceptance of what the new reality is. Mm -hmm. um, so, so change from, you know, from once from moving and uprooting from one city to another or leaving one company and going to another um, change also, um, you know, in a form of our habits, you know, mm -hmm. You know, uh, the death of the old self and the birth of the new, uh, from a mental standpoint, and so change is you know you no know, really offers us the ability, you know, to to have this two part. Um, one, we we can remain stuck and in, in, in disbelief as if things are what you know we've um, kind of always thought that they would be this this mm -hmm. norm, if you will, right and. We can define that if we, if you'd like, as a fixed mindset. It's like, oh, th this is what I know, this is what I'm used to, and I'm going to stick to it. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but we can also embrace change, and I think when we embrace change from that perspective, we look for new opportunities. And though there's loss and change, I, I understand that, but there's also the birth of something new. Mm -hmm. And I think the human mind can really be, you know, this in incredible, uh, you know, cycle and mechanism that can either leave us or move us either way mm -hmm. that we can where we can be stuck in a way that we're confined mentally uh, and that our circumstances have more power over than what we're able to accomplish or how we're able to move past some of those those situations and then there's also the, the challenge of the growth mindset mm -hmm. of um, I'm willing to try new things um, person that's willing to learn uh, and accept accept change in a way of uh, the feeling and, and belief of new discoveries. Um, I'm not saying that change is easy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, moving through change is one of those challenging things. But I think while focusing on what's ahead, we can get our mind to shift in a way where it's more powerful, and we look at change as new opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a a, a big theme, um, you know, in the content that we produce for our audience, because, you know, if you look at some of the transformation journeys, the companies that we speak to are on, this idea of, you know, managing change and overcoming resistance to change within, you know, the employee base and, and even just creating a culture of change from, you know, the, the top down, um, you know, those are, are all themes because it is uncomfortable for human beings. You know, you do tend to, um, 
you know, want to stick with what's comfortable and what, you know, um, and it, it can be tough to, to push yourself outside of that. Now, as a part of, of talking about change, you, um, talk about this term, you say, um, a personal ground zero. So what does that mean? Yes. Yeah, so, so while going through, you know, moving away from the NFL into life after football was, uh, you know, the biggest pivot for me, it was, it was such a challenging time, both, um, from a mental standpoint, uh, a, a psychological standpoint. Um, and there were times where I felt like I was stuck. So I, I went through this process of kind of understand what it's like to, to go through change. And, and this is, you know, this certainly ties into the question which you just asked about, about change and where we are, fixed mindset, growth mindset. And, and so I went through and, and kind of developed what I, I would call a, a model, a pivot model to help us move through change. Mm -hmm. It's a five-step model. And certainly there are a lot of change models out there. A lot of them look at, <clears throat> a lot of them deal with a, a two-part component. There's an internal uh, side of change, you know, how I feel about myself. Um, you know, many people suffer from what's called an imposter syndrome. It's like, oh, well, am I good enough? You know, is, am I really this person that I portray to be or, you know, how does other people view me, right? And, and, and that's the external side of this change model, this pivot model in which we're working through. Um, because change is tough. I mean, simply put, it, it is a tough thing to, you know, to deal with and, and, and to have to navigate. So, you know, ground zero is, is, is what I would identify as step three in this change model. So the first step is to recognize, it's like, well, am I in a pivot? Mm -hmm. Am I... Am I in a change? How do I know when it's time to pivot? And, you know, you can really maybe answer that question in a way that am I, do I feel like I'm living in my purpose? Am I being of value? Um, do I feel stuck? Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, those kind of questions, those, those, those personal reflection questions and, uh, you know, can help us answer um, you know, whether we're doing meaningful work. I think, mm -hmm. Sarah, we all want to feel more valued. We all want to, um, you know, create greater impact in our lives, you know, but, but how do we do that? And, and sometimes um, this, this step one of recognizing, um, you know, am I in a way where I can leverage my relationships, position, or skill set to provide more opportunity or to create the, the greater impact that I want in my community mm -hmm. or, you know, or for my family? Um, and then there's a decision process, right? It's like, okay, well, it, I, I mentioned, you know, this this term or, or this phase of being stuck and this this um, sense of acceptance of mm -hmm. the change. It's like, well, do I want to accept the change or or not? And there's to me, there's a decision right there, and that's that's a you know the powerful stage. Was, I was I was pivoting away from the NFL and I was moving into my broadcasting career, but at the same time, in my mind. I was in, I was living in Los Angeles and training to go back for year 10. Mm -hmm. And, but I also knew that, you know, life would happen and eventually I would be a former football player. I would be a former athlete. And so what was the, the transition and being able to set myself up to have a smoother transition, a smoother pivot and pivots can, you know, planned or unplanned. There's still, there's still challenges in, mm -hmm. in change. Right. I mean, and we can have a planned change and still have to uh, navigate success or re-identify success, as I right. as I say that I had to do. It was 
it was no longer, um, you know, tackles and interceptions and touchdowns, mm -hmm. you know, suddenly success became a lot different. And, and I wasn't clear about, you know, what success looked like for me. Um, but, but, it's, but I had to make a decision. And I, I remember working with my, my, um, my speech coach, my on-camera coach, and he was like, he was noticing that I was kind of still answering questions in a way that I wouldn't as if I was protecting the team, like I was still in a locker room, right? Not willing to throw guys under the bus or really in a sense for the viewer, not being truthful. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, when he said that, it's like, well, the viewers don't come here to, you know, to, um, you know, to get this, this, this shallow uh, type of uh, delivery on whether, um, you know, your position around protecting the player uh, just because they may have given up a touchdown or been at fault for a missed assignment. Mm -hmm. All they wanted was the truth. And, and so and so I started thinking about that in a way, how do I be more creative in a way that doesn't feel like um, like I have this sense of um, like hatred or, or, or anger or, or bitterness toward these players who are still playing because I because I still want to play. Uh, but also because I want to give my viewers something truthful. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so my wording changed a little bit and I would, you know, use words like, well, this position, you know, which should have covered this area of the field, um, may have been on the play action. Right. And so anyway, I said it in a way where you can create gaps and it was digestible for the viewer uh, to still understand it. Um, so the decision part for me was, are you a still player? Are you a player or are you a broadcaster? Mm -hmm. And it was a tough decision, but it was an easy decision because, you know, the NFL is, you know, it's kind of like, you know, either I can sit back and wait on someone to call me and, uh, and still go through the politics. I mean, I was a, there was a new collective bargaining agreement that just happened in the CBA. So you saw um, teams moving to younger players and for, you know, even the base salary for where I was in year 10, a team can get three players. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and younger. Um, and so, um, so I made a decision. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm moving into broadcast. I'm going to create my own opportunities. I'm going to take this path and I'm just going to figure out what it is. And so here we are at ground zero, ground zero, step three. And it's kind of like this, what is my new norm? Mm -hmm. You know, things change, like accept it, dude, like something's changed in your life. Now you have new routines that you have, to, you know, um, you know, create, mm -hmm. you have, uh, personal values in which I had to reflect on and get real with myself. I think that was it. It's just like, dude, get real with yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're no longer a football player. And the cycle of that mentality is the same reason why you see professional athletes, you know, pivot away from sports. And in a few years later, have a relationship issues, mm -hmm. um, you know, financial issues um, It's because this mentality of still living as, you know, my old self, mm -hmm. uh, the, the habits that I created, you know, has really set me up uh, for disaster. Uh, and so there's there's this, this state of reality. I'll move through, I'll move through step four and five uh, rather rapidly, but because um, I talked about the imposter syndrome, well, well step four is these, are these continuous acts of, of courage. It's like, well, even though I felt like a broadcaster, I, I majored in communications. I knew this was the path that I wanted to take. It just didn't feel like normal. I didn't feel like mm -hmm. me, right? And so I was in this process of, of discovering who the new Jordan Babineau was. You know, Sarah, I, I, I hear people, or you hear people say, it's like, 
um, you know, I want to, I want to reinvent myself, you know, and it's like, oh, well, I cut my hair or I hide my hair mm-hmm. or I changed my wardrobe. It's like, well, that, that, that's not a way to reinvent yourself. I mean, you change your looks, but, you know, if your habits, your activities and all of those and, and your mannerisms are still the same and you're mm-hmm. still this old person with shorter hair, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, and really looking at how we, um, you know, want to uh, reinvent ourselves. I think the one thing that you have to, um, you know, get real with yourself is what are my behaviors? Mm-hmm. Um, what are my attitudes and what are my habits? And, and when we start to answer, ask those questions, um, that's when the real process of change starts to happen. And then the fifth state is transformative. I mean, it's this level of transformation where um, I'm in a state of acceptance. I've, I understand my new values. It may, it may be re-identifying what those are, establishing mm-hmm. something new, creating new habits. But, but the reality in this transformative state is that I'm no longer feeling stuck. I'm no longer feeling like the work that I'm doing is meaningless. The people mm-hmm. that I'm touching, my customers, or even my family for that matter, um, can see this new sense of me and I'm moving into this transformative state. It's, it's this deeper sense of awareness um, where you feel more connected to that purpose. Ground zero is a way to help you get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, just relating this back to, I guess, insights that our audience would be familiar with, you know, when we talk about projects or, um, you know, efforts being derailed by a lack of change management, I think relating it back to Jordan, what you're saying is because, you know, as service leaders, as companies, they can overlook steps one through four and just try and get right into the transformation and the employees as individuals haven't yet kind of come to grips with the fact that, you know, resistance is futile and that they, they need to um, adapt. And so, you know, that can cause, that can cause some issues. Um, Okay. So um, let me see. Okay. So, so a couple of, of other things I want to talk about. One is, you know, as we change personally or professionally, you know, we're going to falter and, and even fail, right? I mean, there is no, um, no way to perfect this, this process. So I don't think that failure is, is normalized enough um, for us as humans, but particularly in, in the business setting. So talk a little bit about, um, you know, any advice you have on how to embrace mistakes. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, from from the let's speak of from from the business side. Um, you know, there's when I, I think one of one of the toughest things to to do is is implement change mm-hmm. uh, within your company. Um, again, we have the growth mindset versus fixed mindset. But um, take for instance uh, change in the medical industry as we're where we are now, and you have. Um, you know, an extreme, uh, extreme change in terms of now uh, you see doctors and 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 uh, institutions moving to telemedicine, right? Mm-hmm. So it's 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 like from a, from a doctor standpoint, it's is that they're embracing this they're embracing this change, um, whether they wanted to or not. Certainly, it was forced upon them. Um, but then there's other elements around change that that seems to align or help. Um, create a sustainable or successful change. Uh, I'll give you one instance. So let's take, for instance, the skills, 
the skill set. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, the, the skill set needs to change. Um, let's take implementing a program, whatever software or program that doctors are using that may not have been familiar with them. Those things have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, does the change, does the change support the company culture? You know, does the change support the, the company values and the mission? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, that's, we haven't even got to the human element. So let's add that, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because, because people naturally are resistant to change. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I, was, I was reading a book called Switch uh, by the Heath brothers. It's like, you know, they, they describe uh, change by, um, by the elephant and the rider, right? You have the rational side of, yeah, I, I know I should change or just, you know, being able to understand um, that maybe the value in of the change is greater than the actual change itself, but mm-hmm. but then there's the elephant, you know. There's this, there's there's the emotional side too as well. And you add that part of it in it as well, like the elephant always wins, man. I, <laughs> come on, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, but 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 back to this, this the, the medical the medical um, uh, example that I'm giving is that in change too, you know, and particularly in the medical field is that. Um, there's, there's a gap, right? So you have this change agent, you have change agents and you have recipients of the change. Let's take for instance, our mm-hmm. elders who, who are used to personal touch, who are used to going to the doctor, who, um, who for some, I mean, that may be the only time that they get outside, you know, mm-hmm. and is, is to go visit their doctor. Um, and then there's barriers with that, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you have people who, who don't have uh, adequate internet, you know, who, who have, uh, Wi-Fi um, challenges, um, you know, or now having to, ha- you know, have a conversation with the doctor through um, through video conference, and the doctor's going to diagnose me through video, or mm-hmm. um, you know, so so there's a certain level of trust that's lost in in that change as well. So I, I just look at change from the perspective of you know on the business side of it as well. There, there's so many elements. Mm-hmm. that's associated with the change to make it a successful change. Number one, mm-hmm. one way to make a successful change is you have to get all your stakeholders uh, on board, right? Mm-hmm. I, I reflect back when I decided I was going to MBA school, I, I didn't really give much conversation to, um, to my wife around, um, you know, why this was a good idea. Though she may have understood it, what I didn't know was the ripple effect, the weight that it would have, the emotional weight that it would have on her and having to deal with me, have, you know, spending 12 hour days in class away from the house, away from the family, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So, so change became challenging uh, in the sense if, that it can be challenging if we don't involve all of our stakeholders. Mm-hmm. So I'll get back to, um, to your, your, your question around embodying and embracing uh, failures along the way through change. Right. So so there there are some companies who will uh, invite change in a way where it's part of the company culture. Like mm-hmm. um, we want you to fail. We want you to go out and try things. Um, you, you know, there's there's this learning process of I think that's more powerful to, let's say, your sales team who are out in the field uh, who are having this personal touch with the customers. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who are having to you know, be the, you know, the recipient of, of, of the gateway between, um, you know, a product and, and uh, a customer's uh, success rating. Um, and so some companies embody change in a way we're saying that it's okay to fail. We want you to go out and try these things. We want you mm-hmm. to, to be successful in that way. 
And then there are, there are companies um, who, you know, have sales teams who are just standard. They're just the status mm -hmm. quo. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, this is the way that we do it. We don't believe in innovation. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of, it's and in today's age, it's, you know, where change is so rapid and the growth is, 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 is so uh, substantial in terms of exponential uh, mm -hmm. in a sense of pace um, that it's almost like shoving a, a square into a round hole. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's that we have to be adaptive um, in today's age. We have to be adaptive in our company culture. We have to be adaptive in the way we serve our customers. We have to be adaptive in our own lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to me, this, 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 this tone of adaptability is one of the things that I think that uh, is a great quality to possess when going through change. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Last question, Jordan, is knowing change is hard um, and it can, it can be tiresome. How do you stay focused and motivated for the long run? Yeah, um, you know, one of, one of the things I, I talk about in, in Pivot to Win is, uh, is that um, when I first came to the NFL, I used to watch, uh, I was a sponge. I used to watch mm -hmm. the veterans. I watched the older guys and see what they were doing. Um, you know, during drill work, I would, I would see, um, you know, and understand and learn from either their successes or their failures or, and take note. And certainly I had my chance to do it too. Not that I, I did everything perfect or everything right. It's that, that I was just, I was just more, um, more aware of how can I give myself the best level of success now, Sarah, you don't, you may not under, you may not understand what it's like to be a undrafted free agent, uh, you know, going into this, you know, highly competitive uh, arena of professional sports. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost as if you're a body uh, mm -hmm. and the odds are stacked against you. Um, so I had to, and I think one of the things that helped me was develop a routine. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I talk about routine and routine to me is just simply a process that um, can give us a little bit more control of a situation mm -hmm. um, with the result in mind. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that success is automatic. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, winning um, is guaranteed, but it does give you uh, a sense of control. Let's mm -hmm. take, for instance, a basketball player at the free throw line, you know, twirls the balls, dribble twice, twirls it, shoots it, right? I mean, every time, doesn't, doesn't matter. It's its routine. Or a golfer, for instance, who has a, a pre-shot routine, you know, one swing, two swings, right? You know, a little, you know, play with the wind, pick some grass up, whatever, whatever that routine is, I think that we all should um, look to develop a routine. And you say, so, well, how do we create more success? Um, you know, in, in that routine mm -hmm. um, and, and simply not, not in any way of, you know, any kind of superstitious beliefs, but I think that a routine, whether it is, you know, you walk into your office, you know, before I sit down or before I start my day, um, you know, before I go into a sales meeting, um, you know, whatever that level of, of comfort is for you to uh, put yourself in a routine into a state of mind, uh, where you're going in and you're feeling like you have control of the situation. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for each of us to kind of find that routine of what that is to help us increase our level of success. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, 
All right, good. Well, well, this has been great, Jordan. I really appreciate you um, you joining and and sharing some of this with us today. And and I've found the conversation to be um, very insightful. Let folks know where they can find um, more information about yourself and and the book. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sarah. So, um, Jordan Babineau across all platforms on social media: LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, I can be reached there. Um, the book, the uh, it's now available. The ebook is available for for presale on Amazon right now. Uh, and on February sixteenth, will the, the date will, will go live. We'll launch the book. Uh, paperback and and hardcover will follow probably early March. It's, it's just a uh, a print process uh, mm-hmm. that's happening with that. And and more than anything, I I think one of one of the things that I like to share about the book, it's a quote by Muhammad Ali that really embodies you know kind of the, the core of the book. The book is about growth. The mm-hmm. book is about what's possible. The book is about not letting your circumstances uh, outweigh what's what you know, what it is that you have for yourself or the person that you desire to be, the things that you want for your company, your family, your own life. And then the impact and legacy that we each want to leave. And so I shared this quote by Muhammad Ali. It says, a man who views the world at 50, the same as he did at 20, has wasted 30 years of his life. And so, again, embodying the growth mindset, being adaptive to change, moving through change when it's uncomfortable, uh, because more than anything, and I think we all can agree that change is consistent. And mm-hmm. if it's, and if it is consistent, um, we need to find a way to get better at it uh, and, and move through our, our, our states of being stuck both mentally and physically. So thanks, Sarah. I, I really appreciate you coming on and let me, uh, let me share uh, a little bit about my journey, about my growth, um, my personal development uh, journey as well, and uh, about everything in Pivot to Win. Uh, it's, it's a book, I, not just for professional athletes, um, Sarah, because professional athlete or not, we all will uh, kind of have this battle between the body and the mind mm-hmm. um, at some point, right? I mean, this willingness to do something, uh, but this challenge of actually doing it. Right. Uh, and that's what change is. That's what change is. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jordan. Love the quote. Great way to end. Um, appreciate you being here. You can find more of our podcasts and other content by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.